If you are the frequent recipient of microaggressions or if you frequently witness microaggressions, that's the time when you need to be prepared with what Dr. Sue calls micro-interventions. These are strategies that you can use to confront microaggressions. I don't like to argue, so I say nothing and fume for days. How do I set boundaries without sounding like a jerk? I hate the idea that I might accidentally offend somebody, so sometimes I'd just rather say nothing at all. Welcome to the Language Alchemy Podcast, and thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Alejandra Siroca, a transformative communication teacher and coach devoted to helping you have more peace and more harmony in all your relationships. In this podcast episode, I'm going to talk about microaggressions. Have you heard of that term? If you haven't, I'm going to tell you what they are. You're also going to learn why they hurt and what you can say when you hear them or receive them without using aggression as a response. Have you ever had repeated experiences of people saying things to you or doing things in your presence, things that seem benign on the surface, but when you hear them, you experience an internal ouch because what that person said excluded you in some way and made you feel like an other, then in those instances, you might have been experiencing microaggressions. Let me give you an example from my own experience. In the summer of 2020, after being cooped up because of the pandemic, my husband and I, who like many of you may have discovered new activities or re-engaged in some activities that you used to enjoy in the past, we rediscovered our forgotten love for tennis. We dusted off our old tennis rackets and went into the public tennis courts just a few minutes away from our house. But because neither of us had played tennis for years, we no longer had tennis shoes. All my sneakers were hiking sneakers. So anyway, one day we headed over to a sporting goods store to get new pairs of tennis shoes. We arrived at the store and right before we got in, we were in the parking lot. I realized that we forgot our shopping bags in the car. So I told Matthew, my husband, go ahead. I'm going to go to the car and I'm going to get the shopping bags. So Matthew headed towards the store. Now, for those of you who may not know Matthew or having seen pictures of him, he is white. He entered the store and was greeted by a young man who was also white and who said to him, let me check your temperature and please take some hand sanitizer. I was about 20 seconds behind Matthew and when I entered the store, my husband was already leaving the hand sanitizing station. That same nice young man greeted me. His greeting was different. He said, our store restrooms are closed and we don't accept cash. Then he checked my temperature 
and he pointed to the giant bottle of hand sanitizer. At that very moment, I didn't know exactly what had happened. All I knew was that I felt hurt. I had a shaky feeling inside, like my bones were all going to fall down, stop supporting my body, and I was going to become a sack of skin just piled up on the floor. I said nothing. It took me a moment. I caught up with Matthew and asked him to tell me exactly what the young man had said to him when he entered the store. And then I asked him, did he mention anything about the restrooms? Did he say anything about cash? My husband looked at me puzzled and said, no, he just took my temperature and asked me to use hand sanitizer. Hearing this, I started feeling a sense of heat in my body. It was anger spreading throughout every cell of my body. What I had just experienced was a microaggression. And the more I learn about microaggressions, the more I read of similar reactions for the recipient. Hurt, confusion, anger, anxiety, shock, a knock in the stomach, heat in the body, a sensation of falling. But anyway, going back to the story, this young man, he was being nice. He was doing his job. Except that because that day I was wearing my hair in two braids and I looked more in perhaps his perspective, quote unquote, ethnic or maybe more, quote unquote, indigenous or Latinx, he greeted me differently. If we look into these nice young man's statements, what was implied in them were the ideas that I was in the store to take advantage of the restroom, but that I was not a viable customer. And furthermore, that I was probably an immigrant who didn't have the ability to get a credit card or a bank account, and that I had a job that paid me only in cash, all because of the way I looked and the color of my skin. And like every microaggression, what this nice young man said hurt. It hurt because he made assumptions about me based on my looks, based on my skin color, and he put me in a category that excluded me from, in this case, being the kind of person who could have had the type of resources that could have allowed me to go to a sporting goods of that nature to buy products for my own leisure. And what's also important to highlight about this experience and why I keep calling him a nice man, is that he didn't say these statements with the intention to hurt me. Most likely, he was oblivious of the impact of his words, which, by the way, is another characteristic of microaggressions. When we communicate microaggressions, we are not aware of the impact of our words or actions. Now, you may be wondering, so what are microaggressions exactly? Well, let's go to the history of the terms of microaggressions. You know that I like telling you about the origin of terms. So that term, microaggressions, was coined by Dr. Chester M. Pierce 
a medical doctor and professor of education and psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He became the first black full professor at Massachusetts General Hospital. In the early 70s, Dr. Pierce coined that term microaggressions to describe the subtle and brief common daily behavior and communication that are a combination of insults and dismissals on Black Americans that have a traumatic effect and they can have an impact on the physical and mental health of the person who receives them. Later on, Dr. Daryl Dwayne Sue from Columbia University said that these daily slights, insults, indignities, and denigrating messages are made by well-intentioned people, especially white people. And when people communicate these messages, they're usually unaware of the hidden messages and the impact of what they're communicating. Just like in my experience at the sporting goods store. Another example from my own experience is that I am constantly asked where I am from. But when I'm with other friends who may also, like me, be immigrants, but they have fair skin, this question doesn't come up. And for me, it just happened a couple of days ago. I was at the drugstore and I was waiting for the pharmacist to tell me that it was okay to leave after my second COVID vaccine booster shot. And a very friendly white man came. He said, hello. And without skipping a beat, he asked me where I was from. I said, I'm from here. And he gave me a skeptical look. In this particular occasion, the pharmacist called his name and I left. The thing is that these microaggressions can happen anywhere, even in the least expected places and circumstances. Like when I was co-teaching a retreat at a Buddhist retreat space in Colorado years ago, and upon meeting me, a participant kept asking me where I was from. When I replied that I lived in California, she insisted a few times by saying, no, really, where are you from? And then I would say things like, I'm from the Bay Area in Northern California. And then she would say something like, I am from the Bay Area. So where are you really from? Another microaggression. And as you keep listening to this episode, you are going to understand why. Now, even though when we discuss microaggressions, we usually talk about them and give examples in a racial context because when Dr. Pierce coined the term microaggressions, he was referring to the aggressions that Black people were receiving constantly in communication. Then Dr. Gerald Sue, who wrote many books on the subject, expanded the term. He said that anybody can be the recipient of microaggressions because of their gender, their sexual orientation, their level of ability, or even their religion. He said that microaggressions are day-to-day -day insults, put-downs, and subtle slights and indignities that members of a marginalized group experience in everyday interaction. Oftentimes, microaggressions are described as death by a thousand paper cuts. And these thousand paper cut-like experiences are very common at work. A client of mine whose parents are Korean and who worked in the DEI department, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Department of a well-known company that's considered a very friendly and cool place to work in in the Bay Area, 
would usually tell me how exhausting it was to constantly hear the same question from new employees. And that question was, what are you? She told me she's been hearing that question since she was a little girl. When I was supporting her with her communication, we had the COVID outbreak before it was named a pandemic. And at that time, she shared with me that people didn't want to be on the elevator with her or that she would see people clean the door after she touched it. And at first, she didn't really know what was happening. It was shocking and confusing to her until she got it because some people in her company bluntly asked her if she was Chinese or if she had bats for breakfast. So painful. I hope you now have a pretty good idea of what microaggressions are. And I also hope that you understand they hurt. They hurt because when we engage in microaggressions, we make assumptions about others. We put them in a particular group we consider is very different from ours. And the words we use to communicate infer that there's something wrong with them or that they're inferior or something weird about them because they are a member of this group that we have put them in. Now, if you have been the recipient of microaggressions, you know they hurt. And of course, there are different kinds of microaggressions. In fact, Dr. Daryl Sue says there are three types of them. He gives them three different names, microassaults, microinsults, and microinvalidations. Let's talk about microassault. These are more conscious or intentional actions. Let me give you an example. I have a client who's a sales software engineer at one of the tech giants. She was working on an year-long project with an organization. And every time she and her team had a meeting with a leader of that organization, who was male, he would ask questions. And when my client would start answering them, he would interrupt her. And he would say, I want him to answer my question so that I can get a clear answer. And when this leader meant him, he would point at one of my client's team members who was male. My client tried different strategies, and one of them was showing up at the meetings with different team members, and most of her team members were males. And then she would even record these conversations. She wanted to know, is this really true? Is it that I am not giving clear answers? No, it wasn't true. It wasn't that she wasn't clear. It was that she was a woman in tech. Now, how about the second kind of microaggression, according to Dr. Sue, what he calls microinsults? According to Dr. Sue, microinsults are more subtle and they could be verbal or nonverbal. They are rude, insensitive, degrading communications. Like people telling my Indian American client right after they meet her that her English is very good when she was born and raised in the United States. And the third kind of microaggressions, what Dr. Sue calls microinvalidations, these are expressions that invalidate the thoughts, the feelings, or reality of a person. Like when someone tells you their preferred pronoun is they or them, and we keep using the pronouns he or she when we talk to them, or when we tell them 
It's not a big deal if you keep using he or she. The impact of microaggressions can go beyond feeling hurt in the moment. There are many psychological studies that point to long-term psychological issues such as trauma, anxiety, depression, and even suicidal ideation. So maybe by now you're thinking, okay, Alejandra, how do I respond if I receive a microaggression? Or what do I do if I witness someone communicating a microaggression to another person in front of me? Great questions. I want to tell you that you have options. Sometimes the option will be to say nothing because if you are the recipient, maybe you are too shocked, too hurt, or too angry to let words leave your mouth in a way that you can keep your self-respect intact. Sometimes you may say nothing because you believe that your physical safety could be in danger if you respond. Then it would be more skillful to keep your response to yourself and then talk about it with a trusted person who's willing to listen to you with presence, with empathy, and with compassion. I actually teach a course on how to listen with presence, empathy, and compassion. I teach it once a year in the fall, and it's called Choosing True Connection. You can find more information on my website, and I'll add the link in the show notes. Now, if you choose to keep quiet in response to a microaggression, it would be important to reflect on whether you would later on regret not having said anything. Or maybe you can choose to say something later and communicate skillfully because depending on the level of awareness of the person who made the microaggressive comment, they could very possibly say that you're overreacting, that you are being too sensitive. And if you get that kind of response, then you need to be prepared for it and communicate in a way that's clear and confident without being aggressive. Now, remember, when you are communicating consciously, there is no formula when it comes to conscious communication because conscious communication depends on the context and your intention. So you need to be aware of the context, the situation, the relationship, and you also need to be aware of your intention, of why you'd like to say what you're going to say. Now, if you are the frequent recipient of microaggressions, or if you frequently witness microaggressions, that's the time when you need to be prepared with what Dr. Sue calls micro-interventions. These are strategies that you can use to confront microaggressions. Dr. Diane Goodman, who's done a lot of work in this area, recommends having some statements ready at the tip of your tongue. She has a free resource on her website, and I'll add the link to it in the show notes. In the meantime, I want to share with you my four favorite strategies Dr. Diane Goodman recommends. They are my favorite strategies because they're very much in alignment with language alchemy and I have used them and I have coached my clients to use them. The first two strategies I'm going to give you are for you if you tend to be the recipient of microaggressions. If that's the case, the first thing you can do is to ask for clarification or more information. That's a great strategy. 
you can ask a question such as, could you say more about what you mean by that? Huh, what exactly did you mean by that comment? Now, I usually like to say that if you ask a question, you will likely get an answer. An answer that may be triggering to you and may lead you to get reactive. And of course, if you get reactive, this is not going to help. However, what will help is to learn to stay in the conversation and redirect your reactivity. If you'd like to learn how to do that, I have a free guide with five steps to help you redirect your reactivity. You can find that at languagealchemy.com forward slash five steps. I'll also add the link to that in the show notes. Now, the second strategy you can use when you receive a microaggression is to separate the person's intention from the impact. Remember that in most cases, the person is not aware of their impact. And in most cases, they didn't have an ill intention to insult you, hurt you, or invalidate your experience. Most of these words and behaviors reflect their implicit biases. And if you'd like to know what implicit biases are, I recorded a whole podcast on that. Check out podcast episode 45. I'll also add that link in the show notes. So how do you separate the person's intention from the impact? Well, you may say something such as, huh, you may have just said something that you didn't intend. A version of this is what my client that I told you about, whose parents are Korean, learned to say. She would say something like, when I heard you ask me if I had bats for breakfast, I felt hurt and unseen, and I'd like you to know how your words impacted me. So there you go. You can have these two strategies ready to respond when you receive microaggressions. Now, if you're someone who's frequently witnessing microaggressions, then I want to give you two other recommendations that, again, come from Dr. Goodman's strategies. And the first one is to challenge the stereotype. This is exactly what my female communication coaching client in tech learned to do. I first coached her to communicate to the male members of her team about this issue and raise their awareness. And then we worked on asking them to challenge the stereotype so that instead of answering that organization leader's question, they would say something like, the most qualified person to answer this question is my boss and she's here. And they would mention her name and give her the floor. I will share with you that in this case, the leader of that organization never apologized to my client or anybody else, but he stopped invalidating my client. He stopped having that kind of microaggression, and in the following meetings, he started asking questions and receiving a clear answer from her. Now, the second strategy you can use if you frequently witness microaggressions is that you can share your own process. You could say something like, I just heard you make a joke about pronouns. And years ago, I used to make them too. And then I learned that they're actually very painful and not something to joke about. And then tell the other person what you learned. I want you to know that you and I both can bring about equality and equity 
by using an inclusive language that decreases the impact of microaggressions for all the members of our human family. Now, let's recap what you've heard. In this Language Alchemy podcast episode, we talked a lot about microaggressions. You learned what microaggressions are. You also heard several stories of microaggressions that I and my clients experienced. Then you heard about the three types of microaggressions with examples. And finally, I gave you four communication strategies you can use to respond if you are the recipient or the witness of microaggressions. I hope this episode was informative, useful, and inspiring. And if it was, please share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Help me spread the word so that we can increase our awareness and decrease the use of microaggressions in our communication. Thank you so much for listening. And a special thanks to my client, Shen, for all the work she did on microaggressions. Until next week, and as we say in Argentina, ciao, ciao. Original music by Gary LaPoe. You can find all links in the show notes at languagealchemy.com.